name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I'm not Father Charles. I'm not Father Chris. It seems like they've brought up the practice squad. <laughs> it's okay. Our, our first reading this morning is taken from the book of Ecclesiasticus. Not Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiasticus. Uh, Ecclesiasticus is part of a collection of books written in the time between the Old and the New Testament when God's people struggled under foreign domination. They were no longer a nation and they did not have a king. And the question this book tries to answer and the rest of the books try to answer is how can God's people remain true to God's covenant and subsequently, how can God remain true to his covenant when the circumstances of the covenant no longer seem to apply? Ecclesiasticus resembles the book of Proverbs, and it emphasizes the virtues of wisdom. But a wisdom that looks to a future judgment when the wise will be vindicated and the foolish punished. Now, if we would have continued reading in our passage this morning in Ecclesiasticus, we would have read, whose offspring are worthy of honor? The answer, those who fear the Lord. Because fearing the Lord is wise. As far as I know, no one starts out wanting to be foolish. Most, if not all, people want to act wisely. Now, not everyone does indeed act wise, but I'm certain that nobody starts out wanting to be a fool. Even the foolhardiest of acts are done for what appeared to be, at the time, a good reason. Even acts preceded by, hey, hold my beer and watch this, are done to curry favor or to prove one's courage or make someone laugh. And at the time, it's, they seem like wise decisions. We all want wisdom. We all want to know how to act, how to respond in a way that benefits us and benefits others. This morning, I know I am surrounded by a group of people who desire wisdom. But it seems like every day, seemingly every moment, we are bombarded with choices, doesn't it? And so how do we act with wisdom? How do we avoid being foolish? How do we avoid those things that seem so attractive and yet are harmful? I think an appropriate question this morning is, how do we know wisdom? How do we distinguish between wisdom and folly? Because if we know the difference between wisdom and folly, if we know that our acts and decisions are truly wise, then our decisions will be worth the consequences. We want to act wisely. We do not want to act like a fool. The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom how to act wisely in a world of fools. 
Now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 9, if you will. In your pew Bible, it's found on page 500. Very convenient, easy to remember. Proverbs chapter 9 is found on page 500. And this chapter concludes the introduction to the book. Here we find that wisdom and folly compete with one another for our attention. Whom will you follow? To whom will you listen? And how do you know the difference? You see in our text this morning, both wisdom and folly are personified. We have lady wisdom and dame folly. Both compete for our attention, and like I said, how can we tell the difference? We'll see that wisdom offers life and understanding, while folly offers worldly pleasures at the expense of life and understanding. The center of Proverbs chapter 9 is verse 10, and it tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, tells us that we are to follow God come what may. This morning, we want to discover the difference between wisdom and folly. In many ways, they look the same. This is unfortunate, and I'm afraid a sign of our times. Oftentimes, wisdom is made to look like folly, and it, while folly is hoisted up as the pinnacle of wisdom, how are we to know? Proverbs 9 points the way. Verse 1 states, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. This tells us that wisdom, true wisdom, is based on a firm foundation. It is not shaky. It does not topple easily. It is built upon seven pillars. When you see in Scripture the number seven, think complete. Wisdom is built upon a complete foundation. Nothing is lacking. Folly, on the other hand, is built upon a shaky foundation. Notice verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. The Hebrew word for loud indicates one who is riotous, restless, and rootless. One who has little, if any, grounding. This is the opposite of having a firm foundation. My sisters and brothers, the faith does not change. It is Firm. How do we tell true wisdom from its counterfeit? True wisdom does not change. Our method of delivery may change, but the truth remains constant. How can you identify folly? Folly is always changing, always trying to adapt to the culture. Folly asks, how can we change the truth to make ourselves palatable to the culture? Wisdom remains constant and says, how can we better challenge the culture so that the culture can adapt itself to the unchanging truth of God's word? Wisdom is firm. Folly is shaky. Moving on to verse 2. She, that is wisdom, has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. 
True wisdom provides for her followers. followers. Wisdom sustains. Folly poisons. Continuing to contrast wisdom and folly, verse 17 states, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Folly has nothing to offer other than ill-gotten gains. Wisdom provides good things, nurturing things, good meat, good wine, a good table. When one eats from the table of wisdom, one is satisfied. The Word of God is satisfying, nurturing, and sustaining. Folly offers nothing but emptiness, or worse. Folly is like eating cotton candy. It's sweet at first, but then it dissolves into a gritty mess in your mouth. (laughs) Continuing in verse 3, both wisdom and folly, they call out to the simple. Verses 3 through 5 state, she, that is wisdom, has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Folly, too, cries out to the simple. The cry is similar, but the cry is quite different. The message is quite different, that is. Wisdom calls to the simple to abandon their foolish ways. Folly calls to the simple to enjoy stolen food. In other words, continue in your foolishness. Today, I'm afraid folly seems to have a loud voice. To call someone's ways foolish is to invite ridicule and even lawsuit. Imagine that you see your neighbor's house on fire. If you do not warn them, they will perish in the fire. Yet how can you be so narrow-minded and judgmental as to infer that somehow their house is inferior? Maybe they want it on fire. After all, it's, it's their choice. This is madness. It's actually dumb. Wisdom does not change. Why do we hesitate to call sinful things sinful? Is not a burning soul more important than a burning house? Things hurtful to the soul are always hurtful to the soul. Foolish things are always foolish, always hurtful. Wisdom calls us to change, to trade in our foolish ways. Folly offers no such challenge. How can you tell wisdom from folly? Wisdom is firm. It sustains, but it always challenges us to change. Folly, on the other hand, is always changing, but never challenges us to do anything. Wisdom pricks our souls and causes repentance. Folly takes the easy route. It never calls for repentance. A wise church, a wise person, is a repenting person, a repenting church. A foolish church, a foolish person, sees no need for repentance because they no longer believe in sin. And this, my friends, is very important because eternity rests upon it. Wisdom challenges us to abandon our foolish ways, not because it is some sort of killjoy, but because abandoning our foolish ways will bring life. 
Verse 6 is clear. Abandoning foolishness leads to life and understanding. The end of the chapter is also clear. Those who continue in foolishness, those who follow fool, the folly's advice to drink stolen water and eat stolen bread, are already among the dead. And their end is the depths of the grave. My friends, nobody wants to act like a fool. Wisdom is firm. Its truth is unchanging. Folly is shaking. Its so-called truth changes at the whim of culture. Wisdom is nourishing, providing food for the hungry and drink for the thirsty. Folly can only provide temporary pleasure, a sweet taste with no nourishment. It promises much, but delivers little. Unchanging wisdom challenges us to abandon our foolish ways, to follow the irrevocable word of God. Folly demands that we change the word of God and continue in our ignorance. It offers no challenge to repentance. Wisdom offers life. Folly delivers death. And the door to wisdom is fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. If you want wisdom, start by fearing God. If you want insight and understanding, seek knowledge of the Lord. This does not change. This is firm. This is life. To fear God is to live, lead a life of repentance. Repentance changes us, not the other way around. My sisters and brothers, I want to both challenge and encourage you this morning. God's wisdom is here. We've had it all along. While the world seeks what is new, we have what is tried and true. We have the Holy Word of God. It nourishes us. It calls us to repentance. It challenges us. Sometimes this challenge, this call to repentance, hurts. And because it hurts, we know that it is true. If your theology, if your belief system does not challenge, but only encourages you to taste the sweet nothings of the world, it is folly, and it brings death. But if you submit to the Word of God and Accept the unchanging call to repentance. You have life. You have the fear of the Lord. You have wisdom. In John chapter 6, it's a great sacrament chapel, chapter for us sacramentalists. In John chapter 6, Jesus issued a challenge to his disciples that seemed foolish to many. Eating his body, drinking his blood. And so we read in verse 66 that many of Jesus' disciples stopped following him. His words were too hard. Yet his words had and continued to have life. He challenges us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He places before us a banquet, a rich table full of life-sustaining food and nourishing drink. Sound familiar? Is this not the call to wisdom, true wisdom? Does not wisdom set a table? Let us not get caught up in debates about the na nature of the sacrament of Holy Communion. This is not Jesus' point. Jesus is telling us that he and he alone is the wisdom of God. As wisdom sets their table, so Jesus sets his table. As wisdom is unchanging, Jesus is unchanging. Jesus is what the Old Testament was pointing to. 
We need to feed on his words, his wisdom. And like the wisdom of old, his words are challenging as well. Sometimes they too hurt. But because they hurt, because they cauterize sin, they are life-giving. Our decisions need to rest upon the Word of God by the leading of the Holy Spirit. The decisions we make do not, should not, come easy. Folly calls out to us to make brash and rash decisions, while wisdom calls us to seek what will nourish us, what will feed us. Wisdom rests upon the Word of God and upon the Word of God, Jesus. The decisions we make to keep the faith, to honor wisdom, to fear the Lord, to feed on Jesus' words, have brought us life and will continue to bring us life. They have brought us honor in the midst of dishonor, stability in the midst of instability, truth in the midst of lies, life in the midst of death. Amen.